803 on a Tuesday. Alfred Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Alfred Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. To the phone lines we go. You read them in The Athletic, you hear them right here on Sportsnet 650. He joins us now, Thomas Drantz from The Athletic here on the Halford and Bruff Show. What up, Drancer? Boys, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, indeed. Happy opening day, opening night, roster day. Let's go. Yeah, the Canucks, they aced the LTIR test, as far as I understand it. That means I don't yeah. understand it. I'm not exactly sure what <laughs> happened. I just know that they were the best at having guys that are injured and being over the salary cap. Explain it in greater <laughs> detail for our listeners, please, Thomas. Yeah, I mean, it requires a lot of good work and a lot of luck, too, and, and a variety of things to time out just so. But the Canucks have hit a 22-man opening night roster, um, which is, you know, probably a body beyond what I thought they'd be able to get onto the books. Like, I thought they'd really only be able to fit 21 on uh, unless an additional player went on LTI to this point. It's just Michael Furland. Um, you know, one of those bodies is Danila Klimovich. I don't know that he's going to be seen as like a real option to, to provide forward depth. In fact, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him reassigned later today, uh, you know, after the games have concluded, because once you once you freeze your roster for opening day, once you do get that snapshot taken and, and earn your LTI capture, uh, you can't send guys off of that roster for uh, until after the games have been played on that very first night. So uh, we'll see. I, I, you know, will Klimovich even travel with the team? Uh, probably not. So functionally, it's a 21-man roster, but they'll be able to get another body on. I, I still think you'll need to put an additional player on LTI. But yeah, I mean, the perfect capture, like there's something, if you share any of my obsessive-compulsive tendencies, uh, there's something deeply satisfying about something that clicks just so. And, and you think about all the things that have to go right to permit it to happen, right? I mean, it's not just the contracts you sign and, and the planning you do. It's it's the 1.25 million Yaroslav Halak bonus overage, right? It's the 2.4 million in dead money being paid out, um, you know, in terms of your cap sheet to Holtby and Vertanen uh, as a result of their buyouts. It's, you know, Philip Giuseppe who spent exactly 39 days on the NHL roster last season, uh, costing you 146K, in terms of his uh, cap hit. Yeah, that was magical, Drant. Going on off-season uh, IR. It's, it's Justin Dowling, though, who would have cost <laughs> you more, being cleared just in time to go on waivers. And then it's the Dickinson trade. I mean, it all has to come together, and then you get this perfect snapshot, uh, something, something I've never seen before. Um, you know, up until, I think, the last hour and a half, uh, I don't know that the Canucks thought they'd get a perfect capture, right? Mm-hmm. Like, talking, talking to them in advance, you know, I thought they were pretty confident they'd get close. I think if you'd asked them to bet the over/under on 10k, they would have probably bet the over, uh, and then they came in. They came in just so perfectly. So kudos to them. Kudos to uh, you know a first year like a rookie general manager and Patrick Alvine and a first year capologist and Emily Castengay. Obviously Rutherford and Ryan Johnson has some cap know-how too. Uh, all part of that as well. But um, you know pretty good work Drancer, what does it mean how does it help the canucks well it gives them the full 3.5 million so lti space is different than cap space right that's the most important thing to remember um you know cap space is flexible and lti space is not uh, there's also you know a variety of other sort of uh, downsides to using it versus using actual cap space um 
when you capture an amount prior to the season, you know, the LTI system permits you to replace a player, but you, the amount of actual like LTI space you benefit from is effectively like the player's contract minus the amount you are under the cap, right? So there's like this gap, usually $10,000 or, or what have you, $4 in the Maple Leafs case, $0 in the case of the Canucks case, but there's usually a gap that sort of limits your space versus the total annual average value of the contract that you're putting on LTI. Um, you know, in that space, in, in a world where every penny matters, you know, we've seen teams lose 250, 350, 450K. Uh, I think the Detroit Red Wings one year, a few years back, lost, you know, really the equivalent of a roster player or two. And that, you know, can put you in a bind late in the year, right? This is one of those things, like, it doesn't really matter that much today. Where it's going to matter is, you know, when injuries hit, you know, in waves in April, and those injuries are short term. So you don't want to use LTI, which costs you at least 10 games from a key player, um, but you need the roster spot. So, you know, all of a sudden, the ability to capture that entire 3.5 million is going to give the Canucks options that will matter in those grindy dog days of the season where injuries mount and it can get hard to field a full roster. Drancer, uh, what should Canucks fans look for at practice today, one day before their season opener in Edmonton? Well, I mean, we're all going to be talking about Quinn Hughes, right? I mean, that's number one. Uh, is Quinn Hughes there, and who does he play with? I think that's going to be storyline number one. Um, you know, beyond that, I think signs that Besser is close. Uh, you know, I think the fact that they put Mikhaev on um, IR, you know, I, I does suggest to me that he's unlikely to be uh, an option for Edmonton. I still think that first weekend is sort of the one that looms large, that, that Philadelphia game. Yeah, Bruce Boudreaux actually said that he doesn't expect um, McKayev mm-hmm. to be in a regular jersey until Friday. I think they're going to yeah. practice probably in Philly before the, the Saturday so, afternoon game. So I'm not counting on no, McKayev to even have a chance of playing tomorrow in Edmonton. He's pushing hard, right? Like, you know, the thing about hockey players is he's pushing hard, and if the doctor says yes, Boudreaux's going to put him in, right? So... You know, I, I agree with you. I, I wouldn't bet on it, but I never bet on anything when it comes to the human body playing a collision sport like this. You know, like some of these guys heal like wildfires. Sometimes there's unanticipated setbacks. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't think the die is cast, even though Boudreaux's not optimistic. And, and I do think that weekend in Philadelphia looms larger for Mikhaev. But, you know, further signs that Besser is, is nearing a return. Uh, that would be something to look for, right? Does Besser play on that line with Pearson and Miller? Because if he does, like if he practices on that line uh, today, I would I would take that as a pretty strong indication that he's preparing to play and return on time uh, to start the season, which would be a huge boost for this team. So those would sort of be the two main items uh, that I'll be looking for when I see Batch tweet out the practice line. Drancer, I'm going to interrupt the Canucks talk just for a second because um, I think we all knew this was coming after the Andrea Skinner resignation. Uh, Hockey Canada has just released that. um, The Hockey Canada Board of Directors, I'm just going to read the press release here, has announced important changes to Hockey Canada's leadership team effective immediately. It announced the departure of CEO Scott Smith. The entire board has also agreed to step down to make room for a new slate of directors. This seemed inevitable, 
more yeah. and more sponsors were pulling out. Uh, the Hockey Canada was essentially being defunded. Uh, they were running out of their revenue streams. Uh, I think Bauer uh, today announced that they were out as well. So whoever the new executive is, the new board of directors, they're going to have to go and make nice with all those sponsors. And first of all, they're going to have to come up with a plan to show that Hockey Canada is on the right track, and then maybe they'll get those sponsors back. But I did want to interrupt uh, the Canucks talk because I think this is really big news. It was inevitable, I think, over the last few days. Maybe Hockey Canada should have seen this was inevitable a month ago, two months yep. ago. Uh, Drancer, um, your initial thoughts on this news? Yeah, I mean, I think Hockey Canada has... Um, you know, in, in the conduct of dealing with a variety of um, tr- like deeply troubling allegations under their watch and how they responded to it um, very clearly uh, fractured the public trust, not just with that organization, but with the sport more generally. And I think you'd be naive in the extreme to suggest that the sort of fissures that have been exposed over the course of this offseason by uh, what we've learned in the Hockey Canada proceedings haven't impacted the NHL product itself and probably the Canucks themselves as well. Um, you know, I think this is a necessary step, but it's an insufficient one. I think Hockey Canada is going to have to show in the people that they appoint um, and in the accountability that still needs to come uh, from that organization in terms of who knew what when. Uh, you know, I think there's still a lot of work to do to repair that. Uh, and I think from an NHL perspective too, you know, it wasn't long ago, it was less than six months ago uh, that Gary Bettman told reporters that he didn't think hockey had a culture problem. I don't think anyone can say that with a straight face anymore, right? Like six months later, that seems completely asinine. And I think it's pretty important that the league itself and its member clubs acknowledge the perception issue uh, that now surrounds the sport as a result of what we've learned over the course of the summer and take meaningful steps to, you know, address that, uh, you know, in a variety of ways. So that's my basic reaction, uh, necessary, but insufficient. Well, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of more reaction throughout the day on Sportsnet 650. Jeff Merrick's show will come right after us at nine o'clock. So I'm sure they'll be leading with that and talking a lot about that. Um, in the meantime, by the way, if, in case you were wondering how they're going to do this, uh, Hockey Canada says an interim management committee will be put in place, which will guide the organization until no later than a new uh, board appoints a new CEO to lead the organization. So uh, hopefully the lights will remain on in rinks across Canada. Um, I'm saying that somewhat sarcastically. In Not fact, prepared. I'm saying it 100% sarcastically uh let's get back to the canucks here um i want to talk just about the challenges of this road trip that the canucks are are starting out on uh obviously the oilers are a pretty good team so they're going to start with uh, a pretty good team on the road they do face a couple of teams like uh well philly's not expected to be very good uh but that's never want to face a tortorella team early True, and it's an afternoon game, and those always seem to be weird for the Canucks. And then you've also got a back-to-back game with Washington and Columbus, so we'll, I'm yeah. sure, see Spencer Not Martin even. in one of those games. And then you finish off the road trip in Minnesota. Halford and I were talking earlier, and I was like, I'd probably take two and three on this road trip. Oh, two and three would be great. I think two and three would be – or sorry, two and three wouldn't be great, but two and three is where we should set our expectations. 
I think anything better than that is really good. And, you know, probably have to go four and one for great. But yeah, I mean, I think two and three would be a totally acceptable outcome for this team. I don't think that would in any way nullify their ambitions of a hot start, you know, and, and, and like, hold me to that. If I'm on the airwaves with you next week and I'm like, what happened to the hot start? Because they're one and two having lost to the Capitals in the, um, you know, the Capitals and the Edmonton Oilers, like make sure to call me out. Well, of course it matters how they play though. Right. Of of course it it, it matters how they play. I mean, we, we are process over results guys early in the season and I think everyone should be. So it does matter how they play. You know, if, if they play badly in all five games, but Thatcher Demko steals them a couple, we're going to have our concerns and I think we'll be right to, 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 but um, likewise, if they're controlling play and playing good defense, absolutely and lost a couple because of bad bounces will be, you know, like, hey, they're due. This is fine. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm just saying, hold me accountable for that. I, I think this road trip is a really dangerous one. And I think this team needs to start well for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, I have this view or this this concern, I guess, that, you know, this is sort of a trap road trip where I feel like some of the games feel easier to fans or will, you know, the public will think they should be easy wins, but they're not. I think Philadelphia and Columbus both qualify as sort of games like that. Um, So, you know, it feels like a trap road trip. And then you come home and play Buffalo, another team that I think is going to be better than the public realizes, right? Buffalo is sort of associated widely with being this mess of a team. And yet, you know, they've got a ton of speed. Owen Power is going to be good off the hop. That tuck uh, line with Tage Thompson and Skinner has given them a totally new level of, of um, dynamism as a group. So I sort of look at that game, too, as a, as a bit of a trap one for the home opener. Um, you know, with everything that's gone on around this team, um, you sort of I sort of look at those first six and think, if this team can do well and if we hear those, you know, boisterous, um, Bruce, there it is, chance late in that first game. They'll be sort of on to something. And yet, I feel like the opposite is true, too. And this market could be pretty disappointed very quickly. Like, I think the impatience of this market could come to bear very quickly um, based on just how this season opens. So, you know, I think this is a really important road trip, like more important than the usual sort of five games. Like, I think this will matter in this market and matter in terms of putting this team off on the right foot going into that home opener and going into a pretty vital season. We're speaking to Thomas Drance from The Athletic and the Canucks Hours, plural, here on Sportsnet 650. Drancer, give our listeners a thorough, detailed breakdown and scouting report on the newest Vancouver Canuck, Riley Stillman. Yeah, well, Riley Smith I worked with in Florida, so he was on his way up into the organization, worked with him at a bunch of dev camps, so I know him pretty well. Uh, not a lot of people that have been more impressive to me as as like young hockey players. Uh, you know, his level of professionalism and maturity, even at the age of 19, was advanced, like high end, um, super high character player. Uh, I was, I, you know, I think I, I think I have the puck shot from his um, very first game, like his first game puck uh, on my phone somewhere. Uh, but he, you know, was ready for it and and maybe this comes from being the son of an NHLer, right but he was ready for it always he was always ready for what was next that was that's what stood out to me about working with him there was no bright-eyed bushy-tailed uh anything about him he he always sort of carried himself like he deserved uh to be there or belonged but had zero arrogance in in the way he went about that 
Uh, you know, I've seen him throw a lot of big hits. I've seen him fight. Um, you know, his, uh, you know, I think he's got a pretty good brain for the game. Like, I think he's got some hockey IQ. I don't know that he's got more than sort of four or five guy upside. Like, I don't think this is going to be one of those guys who becomes, you know, a, a sudden second pair defender for this team. Uh, but I think he'll bring some of what they want and what they need, particularly in the realm of, of you know, uh, old, like, throwback toughness which is a priority for this organization. They want this group to be tougher to play against. I think the Edmonton game uh, sort of exposed some of their concerns that this group maybe isn't that consistently enough. Uh, So Stillman will help on that front for sure, day one. Uh, And whether or not he can do more than that, uh, we'll see. You know, my only sort of concern here, I guess, is if he is dressing over Jack Rathbone for this team, Uh, you know, one thing, one area that Stillman can struggle a bit is, you know, in connecting play in, in in sort of any type of dynamic fashion, attacking as a five-man group, um, effectively his weaknesses are the Canucks weaknesses, right? And I worry if you are sort of giving him major minutes ahead of a guy who can be a possible solution, uh, to some of Vancouver's issues moving the puck, uh, that said, you know, I think fans are going to really respond to the way he plays the game, the way he carries himself. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't love the deal from a, from a cost perspective, but I really like the person. He's an easy guy to root for. And, uh, and I think they got a good person for sure. And potentially a, a pretty solid uh, bottom pair defender. Where does Jack Rathbone stand with this organization right now? Well, I, I mean, I, he was so impressive throughout much of the preseason and then, you know, I think this trade sort of speaks volumes. I don't think he played great in his last two preseason games, and yet, you know, he was playing all of them, right? Like, he was playing a ton. Um, at some point, you know, he's not young, right? He's what you guys like to call a mature prospect. And so, you know, at some point, if he doesn't crack the lineup, force their hand pretty quickly here, um, he becomes just a guy. Uh, I think he might have, I might, he might need an injury at this point to get a long look or a long run. Um, so we'll see where it goes, but, you know, I I don't have like the latest in terms of sort of where they view Rathbone. Yeah. Uh, if he lost ground late in the preseason, I I don't have a really good sense of that, but what I can tell you is I think, you know, in a world where every Canucks defenseman is healthy, you know, I, I sort of think their first choice third pair at this point would be Stillman Dermott. Yeah, because I, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I kind of saw Jack Rathbone a, a, as a wild card. You know, I, I said I could see him being a healthy scratch, or I don't know, even back in Abbotsford if things are, are go the worst. But I, I said I also could see him like take some big steps this year, and maybe even be playing in the top four at the end of the season. Um, what does that could he still happen? That yeah, no, happen. no, 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 it could. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do, what do, you, what does uh, you know, based on things that have maybe been said in the past, what does he need to improve on? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the usual stuff for young defenders. It's defensive positioning. It's, you know, making – it's decision-making with the puck. Um, one thing I'd note, too, is, like, I don't feel like he had a ton of really dynamic attacking moments in the preseason, right? You can see it. You can see the velocity on the shot. But you, you can't really think of that moment where, like, he walked the blue line and set up the tip pass or, or something like that, you know? I, I wonder if it was a quiet – um, a bit, bit of a quiet sort of uh, preseason form. And, and this can happen, by the way. Like, I remember the Chicago Wolves had 
like back in the day. They had Kevin Connaughton and, and Chris Tannen playing on a pair together, right? And for the first half of the season, it felt like Tanev was being challenged to do more offensively and Connaughton was being challenged to do more defensively. And as a result, you know, the pair wasn't playing as well as you felt like they should <laughs> right. based on their talent level. Like, that, that can happen, right? It's mm-hmm. like, hey, you, you know, we really need you to improve your neutral zone positioning, right? And it's like, okay. And so, like, that's all you're doing. But, like, what's really going to make Jack Rathbone work in the NHL is the way that he can rush the puck and contribute some offense from the back end. But, you know, ultimately, right, Connaughton's had a long career in part because he's been sturdy defensively and Tanev's become a mainstay top pair caliber guy in part because he doesn't take as much off of the table offensively as he might have without the, without that development time. So, you know, it's one of those where damned if you do damned, if you don't, I think, uh, I think you need to be a little bit patient with Jack. Uh, He'll probably get in as a result of injury at this point, that would be my expectation, but who knows? Um, I, I would assume that he starts as a healthy scratch anyway. And, uh, that doesn't mean much, right? It's not about sort of where you start the season. We know that this team is going to use nine or ten defensemen this year. They do it every single season. So he's going to get his looks, and it'll be about what he can do then. And, you know, the one thing I'd say is at some point, while he does need to work on aspects of his defensive game to be playable and earn trust and all that stuff, that's not what's going to keep him in the league. It's going to be the other stuff, the stuff we know he can do well. Drancer, we're not going to talk to you until next week after the Canucks have started the yeah. regular season. I don't want to step on your toes here. I don't know if you've got your predictions announcement for the Athletic or for nah, Canucks I'm not Hour. Do a predictions this year, I decided, but I'll, I'll give you my prediction. Yeah. Can, well, it's a, it's a, it's a yes or no it. question in your eyes. Are the Canucks going to make the playoffs? I'm I'm going to go no, but not with a ton of confidence. Right, like not with a ton of confidence. I sort of see it as a. 55-45, and as a man of statistics, I'll take the 55. Uh, I think there's I think there's just too much uncertainty in the West, and I think a lot of that uncertainty favors, from an upside perspective, some of their opponents, right? Like, I think Vegas, there's, there's a, if Vegas hits their upside case, right, could they be one of the best teams in the league? Like, yeah, right, for sure. If LA hits one of their, hits their upside case, could they be one of the best teams in the league? Probably not, but pretty close. I think they could be pushing to get there, particularly with Brant Clark having made his case and the fact that they have eight right-handed defensemen that teams would trade for. I think that team has got a very clear path to, to leveling up into a contender very, very quickly. If Vancouver hits their upside case, I sort of still see them as like a low hundreds point total team, right? I feel like they hit their upside case for the last 60 games of the year last year, and it's good, but it's you know still uh, relatively pedestrian five-on-five profile um that alone will sort of cause me to come down on the no side here but again not with a ton of confidence i view it as pretty close to an effective coin flip uh this team should very much be in the mix i think they're better than they were last year and i and i see them as a bubble team overall the canucks practice this morning at 11 o'clock at ubc and then at noon it's canucks talk with Drance and Dodd. Drancer, uh, i'm sure there'll be lots to talk about today so enjoy the show we will do this again next tuesday Thanks, boys. Be well. Bye. Bye. Thanks. That's Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, the Kings have a bunch of right shot guys. So do the Flames, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, who was it that had all one-handed defensemen that one playoff run? Was it Vegas? Had all lefties? It might was have that been. right? I think it was. Well, I know the Red Wings a long time ago had that. Yeah. 
I'm trying to remember. Now. Are I they one-handed defensemen? One-handed defensemen. They were yeah. very like talented. A big, uh... They all underwent the same procedure that Brock Besser underwent. <laughs> Major hand surgery. And lo and behold, they still managed to go far in the playoffs. Get okay. your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We actually need a bunch more. Yeah. Uh, we'll try and do a better job of reading them. If we get a bunch of what we learns in during the commercial break, we will forego our what we learns and only read listener Submissions wow. on the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Mm-hmm. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. In Langley, a stalled truck is westbound Fraser High. Now for my favorite part of the show. Well, that's a talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. All right. 8.34 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are also brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can do so by visiting them on the internet, campbell-pound.com today. All right, it's uh, Big Band Tuesday. It's what we learned. We're going to tell you what we learned. Maybe you're going to tell us what you learned. I saw a bunch came into the Dunbar Lumber text line. A reminder, hashtag it WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know, 650-650. Jason? Uh, are we going to go right to the listeners here? We've got um, a bunch I, of what we learned here. I'll do one what we learned. because okay, actually... Don't drag on because the listeners worked hard sending in their submissions. It's a public service address as well for the second consecutive day. Uh, today on Sportsnet 650, very excited to bring a new member of the family onto the airwaves. Uh, Dmitry Filipovich and his hockey PDO cast is going to be on the station today from 2 to 3 o'clock. So what do they talk about? Stats? You have to explain what PDO is. Yeah. Uh, I was told How that I was. I was told that I was going to be brief and succinct. PDO cast is a clever play on uh, one of the advanced analytic hockey stats. So instead of pod, Expl- explain instead PDO. Of pod, I have no idea what it is. Instead of I don't know. <laughs> the hell. I'm not At least here. you're honest. Yeah. Well, I'm, it's I'm not combined talking. save percentage and shooting percentage. Sure, you could have said Ooh, anything. Look at, at that, that guy point. over there. Uh, the hockey PDO cast, of course, a clever play on the hockey. Five on podcast. five only, Jason. Five so, on five. Uh, yeah. well, well, one the the news is, of course, it's going to be live, and uh, Dimitri will be on the airways with us. We'll try and get him on the show and tell us what we can look forward to this season as we add yet another piece of hockey programming to the number one sports station in town, Sportsnet Six. What's going on PDO wise? So, tell me about this PDO. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go right to the listeners. Uh, printing off some submissions unsigned. What I've learned is that the LA Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights get far too much playoff credit from local media. Golden Knights are cooked without goaltending, and the LA Kings punched far above their weight class last season, and their best players have aged, and regression is inevitable. Fair points on both teams. Uh, Here's the thing, though. The Kings and the Golden Knights have done it in the past. Right, the Golden Knights were one of the best teams in the NHL. Correct. They had horrible injuries last season. Yeah, they have question marks in goal. Yeah, people are wondering if they're getting a little bit old. Same with the Kings, right? Like Kopitar, Deneau, Drew Doughty, uh, Jonathan Quick. You see, you see, still the goalie of the NHL. I, I, I get it, but they've also got some really good young players there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Canucks, like, if you think this is kind of like the 
the the local media or whoever is pumping the tires of of the Vegas Golden Knights and the LA Kings is doing it at the expense of the Canucks. I don't think that's true because the Canucks have not yet proven. Like the King got to the playoffs last year. The Vegas Golden Knights, save for last season, have been one of the best teams in the NHL over the last few years. Uh, we have a lot of what we learned on roughing the passer penalties. I just wanted to read this one because it was directed specifically at me. Hashtag WWL, what we learned on science. So it's from Gary. Halford doesn't know how NFL roughing the passer rules work. Under the new rules, landing on top of the quarterback is indeed a penalty. Eh, wrong. It's not a new rule. Landing on top of the quarterback has been around for four years. They put it in in 2018. I'm well vested in the rule. Two, when Chris Jones landed on top of Derek Carr yesterday, he wasn't making a tackle. He was re- uh, recovering a fumble that he had caused. It was physically impossible for him to land in any other direction because he was no longer tackling. He was receiving a fumble. They got it wrong. Plain and simple. Yes, he landed on top of Derek Carr, but he wasn't doing it in the act of tackling him because he had forced the fumble and was recovering it. Was if they'd it, been able to go to replay, they probably would have been able to figure that out. And was great, the roughing the passer on Tom Brady technically roughing the passer? Technically, you could say it because they said he's <laughs> so threw, stupid. But what the, see, here's the thing is when it's subjective like that, yeah. and because the wording is throw to the ground in an aggressive manner. So one person's throwing to a ground in an aggressive manner is another person's I Isn't just, that tackling? That's tackling. Like I don't I don't know how else you tackle someone other than throw them to a, the ground in an aggressive and manner. And look how he tackled Tom Brady so gently. That's great tackling. You just pick them up by NFL. their legs and just And I know you don't like this. You said it earlier that they can't do more replays, but Rich Eisen, who's a pretty good NFL mind, he's worked in and around the league for a long time. He had a great bit on it. I'm sorry I don't have the audio at the ready, but he said, if you're going to have penalties of this nature that are this, like, that swing the balance. But the the other problem is is that the networks play them over and over and over and over again. Yeah, because they're so horrible. And everyone is dunking on these poor referees who, in their defense, get one shot at it. And they've also been given... Uh, they've also been given this mandate, right? Protect the quarterbacks, protect the quarterbacks. And this is a really good, what we learned from Jeremy and Maple Ridge. I learned the NFL underreacted to the Tua hit, Tongue of Iloa in the situation, changed the rules and immediately overreacted to his replacement, Teddy Bridgewater, getting hit this weekend and pulling him for the rest of the game. So do you know yeah. what happened here? Well, I've seen the replay no, multiple no, no. times. What, what's happened to Bridgewater in the aftermath? Bridgewater... Didn't get diagnosed with a concussion, but is still being treated, and he's in the protocol as if he has a concussion, even though they did the diagnostic test and he doesn't have a concussion. So is this the Dolphins just protecting? No, it's the league. It's the league. Yeah, he can't because the spotter until removed Thursday. him. Yes, right. And that and they means said, he can't practice until Thursday. Now, I mean, he got hit hard. Yeah, but they said he stumbled, and you know that's what we all saw happen with Tua. We're like, that's a concussion. We've all watched the replay of Bridgewater a few times. Did he get up rather gingerly? Yeah, because he just took a big hit. Did he stumble like he had a concussion? I didn't see that. But the point now is that it almost removes the initial diagnosis, and I think it's so that things don't happen. Because the the issue that was compounded with Tua Tungavailoa was there was four days between games. So there was that immediacy to – does he have a concussion or does he not? That diagnosis. And then can he get out of this protocol and back into the regular swing of things? That's kind of been, I, I guess it's been 
uh, eschewed away. It's that now they're just literally saying it doesn't matter if you're diagnosed or not. We're going to treat you as if you've been diagnosed with a concussion in the early parts of it. Basketball, Phil, what we learned, the Redeem team Netflix doc is very good and must watch stuff. Okay, pretty this pretty is, cool. I've seen lots of clips of it already. I haven't watched the full thing. Is this the um, Untold series? I don't know if it's or is untold, it just a kind of by itself? Is it on? It's it's, uh, it's definitely on, Netflix. It's, it's on Netflix. I don't know the production house behind it. If it's under the Untold umbrella, but the Redeem team was the one with primarily the four big parties in it are Kobe, LeBron, Carmelo, and Dwayne Wade trying to get back uh, global basketball domination at the Olympics after that team had fallen on such hard. Is times. that the team that had the crazy scrimmage that they say was like the best basketball game ever played, but no one saw it? That, uh, well, there's two. That exists. Okay. There's that one. The first one was the Dream Team one in Barcelona. I believe it was at a gym in Monaco somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the, the VHS recording came out not too long ago. This one had the kind of game you're talking about. I believe it was like Kobe at the end locked up on LeBron, and that was like yeah. a big thing. There was a good anecdote that's making the round on the Twitters. Um, they were talking about they were doing a camp in Vegas, mm-hmm. and LeBron, Carmelo, and Dwayne Wade went to the club and they were coming back to the hotel at 5.30 in the morning. Okay. And they ran into Kobe on the elevator, and he was going down to work at out, five, to, work out yeah. to do weights before practice. Yeah. And they were all like, this is crazy. I'm mm-hmm. going to bed. And then they said, but they watched, and he was just stone-faced. He's like, I got to go lift. I got to go work. We have to win. Right. Then they all started doing it. Mm-hmm. Like he said, the next day, it was like D-Wade was up at 5.30 with Kobe, and they were talking about how even on this team with all these superstars, there was still the one guy that set the tone, and that was Kobe. Chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen. What we learned, Scott Smith is out as CEO of Hockey Canada, and the entire board has resigned. It's about damn time. Yeah, we interrupted our interview with uh, Thomas Drance to bring you that yes. news. Um, and in case you missed it, again... The Hockey Canada announced today that the board of directors has um, announced the departure of the CEO, Scott Smith. The entire board has also agreed to step down to make room for a new slate of directors. And, you know, as much as this is a a quote-unquote good step by Hockey Canada, I don't think they're going to get much credit for it because so much damage was inflicted because they delayed this step. Mm-hmm. Right, they lost so many sponsors. Um, the the brand of Hockey Canada continued to take, you know, punch after punch after punch. Now they're going to have to build it up again, and everyone's going to be watching this revamped board and executive and how they build this out. What kind of concrete plans they bring to it? It's all going to be under such a microscope, and these sponsors aren't going to return right away. So I went to the Hockey Canada website, and they had yet to wipe out their board of directors page. I guess they were probably busy making the announcement, making the decision. But it looks as though the board is comprised of seven individuals, all hailing from various provinces, as you would expect, from a national governing body. So that means it would be eight departures at current count, including Scott Smith, the CEO, Mm -hmm. the outgoing CEO, and then the seven members, again, as listed on the Hockey Canada Board of Directors. So that's the the total right now of people that they're going to need to bring in to replace, I would imagine. And it could be even more. I like this one from Doug in Tawasson. What we learned, anytime a star player talks about air pressure in tires during the playoffs, 
You can bet that team is going to lose. See, okay, this is an Alex Manoa, Alec Manoa reference. It's funny, man. It's based on the Luongo quote as well, right? No, I know, but it's like the Manoa thing. Um, I saw a lot of people, one thing I didn't agree with, I saw a lot of people saying he sounded so cocky and brash and confident going in. Well, his quote was cocky. Have they heard Alec Manoa speak before? Well, I didn't, think, I didn't think saying pressure is something you put in. He said, my old coach told me pressure is something you put in your tires. He said know. he wasn't nervous. That was his message, right? Right. He said he wasn't nervous. I just didn't. He, well, we'll see if he's nervous the next time he has a big start he, in the playoffs because the first one didn't go so well. He didn't. He just didn't come across as being overtly brash to me. I don't know. But now, again, I understand that a lot of people were just waiting, waiting for the opportunity to dunk on the Jays because they didn't like him, right? And Manoa is, I will say, a big personality. He's very outgoing, but he also had a breakout year. Like, he had every reason to be confident going into the start. I mean, is there a lesson to be learned? Sure, but um, I was just, I was a little taken aback by that part of it. However, when that quote came out, though, tell me you didn't kind of you know raise an eyebrow. Honestly, and be like, I didn't. What? Honestly, I didn't. Really? Uh, yeah, I did. I was yeah. like, wow. I you know, he was I quoting didn't... his coach. He wasn't saying it himself. Of Come all, on, and he was saying that that's what he believes in because yeah. a coach told him that, right? Yeah, it just, just the it way did, he delivered the line, though. It, it didn't. It didn't re- put it this way. The amount of people that have mentioned in the aftermath. That were obviously either took that stock of it. that a lot of people raised their yeah, eyebrows. A lot of, yeah, I wasn't one right? of them, but clearly a lot of people did. I did as soon as I saw that yeah. because I was kind of thinking, there's nothing wrong with admitting that you're nervous. But maybe he wasn't nervous. Maybe he had no nerves. Fans already right? have the Vladdy quote to dunk on. The the movie trailer, now you're going to see the movie. Just, <laughs> you have that, go with it. You're very okay? sensitive about the Blue Jays right now. They already have a great quote to dunk on. Why do they need another well, one? Well, why not have two? <laughs> but, right? now but now there's two. The it's Luongo always co- good to have more. Honestly, the Luongo quote still bothers me. Yeah, the, it, it really does. And I, and I remember when that came out, and I know there's a lot of people that sit there and say, Ruff is always criticizing Luongo. Yeah, kind of. Like, when, uh-huh. when, when, when you say that in the middle of a Stanley Cup final, when you're talking about asking the other goalie to say nice things about you because you've said nice things about him. It makes it look like, like he's in your head. Like it makes it look like makes like it, it makes you seem you know, rent free, baby, right? Yeah, just completely rent free. And, and listen, credit to Luongo because he said uh, he said in the previous years after that quote that he said, "Listen, I didn't handle that very well, and there are things that I said during that series that I look back on, and you know, and, and I have and I have regrets. But I remember when that was said, and I was like, I can't believe he basically begged the other goalie to say." nice things about it and tim thomas was like i didn't know it was my uh, it was my job to pump his tires it was very right yeah it, like yeah. i didn't know i i thought my job i thought my job was to play goalie for the boston bruins and not to uh say a bunch of nice things about roberto luongo because he said nice things about me uh this one's from kevin on ah, the- get fired up again well now we know why the, the manoa uh, quote triggered you so much because yes. it just brings all these flashbacks anytime he hears tires and pumping air it's like oh my. you should see him when i do the grip auto and tire yeah. he loses his mind rodney tirefield <laughs> rodney <laughs> tirefield <laughs> all right don't get me started on that okay i'm just gonna get angry i'm gonna get more upset than him with regular tires uh here's from kevin on the road one it's kevin's birthday today he asked for a shout out you get it you get it buddy happy birthday Kevin on the road. I hope you're enjoying life on the road. Hashtag WWL, what we learned. Emily Castonguay deserves a ton of credit for achieving the NHL's first ever perfect LTIR optimization. She does. Yeah. I didn't even know it it's was hilarious. Fun. Yeah, I didn't. Like, again, I'm not very bright, so I didn't realize that there was a perfect score. 
Mm-hmm. Right, like I didn't like this is like acing your SATs. I didn't, I didn't think it was possible. But right, you can ace long term. Did you hear how excited Drancer was about it? He's like, and then uh, you know Justin Dowling had to go on waivers. I was like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's crazy, Drance. Like I get excited. Exact when... cap hit. He's putting together you know, a highlight like, package for it. <laughs> the music yeah, and like, everything. But Drancer, and then I was like, what does it mean? <laughs> the most, the most complex financial like outlook I've ever had in my life is when someone gets within five hundred dollars on the Price Is Right Showcase Showdown. Like that to me <laughs> is real time financial advice. That, that and I can understand it, right? I this is so far beyond what I know. I'm like, so I think that they somehow got enough guys injured and have enough bad contracts that they're being uh that there's a benefit to it that they can max out and then i just stop talking about it i just say like it's all bonus overages i don't even know what those are <laughs> it's all it's all about that the overages. sentences just to hope it makes sense yeah it's bonus overage it's a it's a 10.2 c clause what does that have to do with his injury bonus overage it's it's a bonus overage. did i tell you that i watched the price there's a price is right documentary the guy that kind of hacked the system really yeah. Cool. You watched a Price is Right documentary? Yeah. There's a guy that... Um, hey, at least it wasn't he, a sports doc. He's, he ha- he's, he's well, moving it, out. It was know? a documentary. Is Price is Right a sport? No, it's not. Definitely. Based on the bodies of the people that are in attendance, it is 100% not a sport. Um, run down the aisle. He, some of them do. Uh, he, but he hacked the game. He, he, had had, he had collected a gigantic database of all the prizes and had all their prices to within 50 bucks. And then he would sit in the audience... And yell out the bids or what he the closest estimate, and then I guess one of them is he hit it right on the nose, and it was some astronomical total, and it just kind of broke prices right in general. They had to redo how they do all of their hmm. um, what should we call it, all their items. It's like Rain Man, but for prices right. A little bit. Cool. What we learned from Peter and Cloverdale, my old coach would say, if you're not nervous, you're not ready, meaning you have actually thought about the importance of the situation. I tell my kids this all the time before exams and games. So Peter and Cloverdale has a coach that says something different than Alec Manoa's coach. And Peter and Cloverdale, three-time Cy Young winner. Maybe Did you, you know should have started game one. <laughs> I was going to say. We wouldn't be talking Mariners right now. Uh, this is from Marcus and Gibson's hashtag WWO. What we learned, I learned that A-Dog sounds upset yet again that Toronto's or Canada's team choked in the playoffs. Is there uh, something going on behind the no, scenes No, I think Marcus thinks that Laddie is me and oh. I'm Laddie. I think this is what's happening. I am Laddie. I am a dog. Apparently, we sound the voice. same. I don't. I don't hear. I, it. I don't hear it either. I don't hear it. But I don't hear it either. <laughs> you both have that dog in you, which is good. <laughs> That's the problem. Really. But and I, I've never understood how people cannot tell the difference between my voice and Bruff's voice. Yeah, I, I feel like we sound different. We talk about different things. Mine's the one criticizing Luongo a decade. Yeah, later. I try and entertain people. I, you're very nasally whatever the other compared thing. to Jesus. You know what I? You know what I love hey. is like there is one guy that took the bait on Luongo. Oh. And now he is going crazy in the Dunbar Lumber text line. This is more than a decade later. Guys. I know. I was going to say I wasn't going to mention it, but when you brought it up, like, wow, this is eleven years ago, and he's still no. But it's it, no. But I, I still think about it. Um, uh, I got and, and like, no, no, no. But just like, listen, listen. your your criticism of Luongo is pathological, dude. Louis actually showed up in the finals. Where were the beloved twins? They were complete notions. Like we're still Here we go. Here we go. talking about this. eleven years later. Do you, think that, do you think that loss damaged us in a way? Nah. A little we're bit. Tough enough, you guys. Feels like we got over it. It just added to it. Hey, look at this. We got a what we learned from Tommy, the former tractor guy, our good buddy Tommy. What's up, Tommy? Good to hear from you. Hashtag WWL, what we learned. Erling Holland 
is not human. I love that he only scored once on the weekend. Everyone was yeah. like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Trouble in paradise? Yeah. Is Holland on his way out? What is his uh like what is his shooting percentage too? Isn't it? Doesn't he have? That's a good question. Isn't it over fifty percent? Uh, like look. his shots on target. Uh, I want to say it's it's something like he has fifteen goals on twenty two shots or something. That's what I thought I saw. I'm look. I'm trying which to which is it incredible. Right um, if it, if Drance was on the show, he'd be like, he's going to regress. Regress the media. what is the what is the PD what is Man City's PDO right now? Don't worry about it too much. I can't find it. I'm sorry, but um, this guy has has texted in uh-oh. at least twenty times. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I kid oh, you not. Oh, no. Like it is, it is absolutely oh, no. hilarious. In such a short span, you know how fast you got to be typing on your phone to do that. Just like I love the, I love the the um, the the visual. Yeah. Of this, while Hal- Halford looks up EPL stats. No, I'm done with that cares. now. Uh, this, the visual of this guy just like st- it's it's you know the phone is quite early in the morning, in his hands. but he's like shaking, shaking, texting in to to a sports radio show defending Roberto Luongo. He's texting you from a different number afterwards. Sorry, I just broke my last phone, but uh, here's what I think <laughs> about Luongo. Uh, someone's put, suggesting, and I I have time for this. One day, you guys should flip. Halford and Bruff go behind the glass to produce. A Dog and Laddie come out and are on the mics. I just said you guys wouldn't be able to keep us. So on you want to hear three hours of dead air? Is that what you're saying? I think that. I mean, not, no offense to you guys, but I think we could figure that out. Which one's the mic button? Well, if you could put little post-it notes. Yeah, and I stuff could, like okay. That. We actually press buttons. You guys just talking to microphones. Okay, just work with me here. I'm Get ready you for an the opportunity to be on the podcast. Air, isn't right? uploaded, guys. Podcast isn't uploaded. Get ready for it. Uh, all right, guys. So we're running out of time here on, on the show. Uh, today's obviously a, a great sports day. If you like baseball, uh, there's four baseball games, including the Mariners, who beat the Toronto Blue Jays after um, Alec Manoa pulled a bit of a Roberto Luongo in game one of the series. Um, we've also got the North American uh, start of the NHL schedule, a couple of games, and now... We got tomorrow's show to look ahead to where we're kind of back to doing the, the uh, our regular routine where we'll look in well, – have we booked someone from Edmonton to talk yes. about to Tyler, talk about the Oilers? Tyler, it's hockey rem- heavy tomorrow. All three guests are hockey guests. Who are our guests tomorrow? We got David Amber at 6.30. We mm-hmm. have Tyler Yarmchuk at 7.30 and our good friend Murph at 8.05. And the Canucks will start their regular season against the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow night. Uh, Stay tuned to Sportsnet 650 coming up. It is the Jeff Merrick Show featuring Elliot Friedman right off the top. For now, we got to go, but we will be back tomorrow. Happy Canucks season opener eve, everybody. I have been Mike Alford. He has been Jason Bruff. He's been Laddie, and he's been A-Dog. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.